0: This is Notoriously Episcopalian. My name is Kelly Hudlow. This is a podcast of sermons and musings all about the Christian faith and especially about being an Episcopalian. This is a sermon for the twelfth Sunday after Pentecost, August 23rd, 2020, preached for Trinity Commons. The principal text for the sermon is Exodus 1-8 through 210. And focuses on the subversive tactics of Shipra and Pua, the midwives to the Israelites, and how that relates to the birth of Moses. Our first reading was from the book of Exodus. Uh, we've just been in Genesis so long, I didn't think about going back over and changing that. I had changed the scripture citation, but not changed the reading from line. Um, we are now in the opening chapters of Exodus which are intended to move us from the age of the patriarchs that we've been hearing about all summer, to the age of Moses. These chapters are Moses's origin story. It tells the unusual circumstances surrounding his birth, how he got his unusual name. Moses is not a Hebrew name, it is an Egyptian name, meaning literally the one who is born. Here, the text of Moses' origin story tries to work to reclaim the name by explaining that it comes from the fact that Moses was drawn out of the water in an effort to foreshadow what would happen when Moses leads the people out of Egypt. But while Moses is the hero of Exodus that we are supposed to pay attention to, and this is his origin story, his prequel movie, if you will, There are two minor characters in this story that steal the show. Now, several generations have passed since our reading last week. The Israelites are in Egypt now. Joseph's generation has died, but the people of God have continued to grow in number. In the passing of generations, a new pharaoh is in charge, and he feels threatened by the growing numbers of Israelites when enslaving the israelites didn't work pharaoh decided that death is what was needed to solve the problem and now here comes the two scene stealers Shipra and puah two midwives who likely represent hundreds of midwives that would have been working with the israelite people pharaoh's instruction to them is as simple as it is cruel when a Hebrew child is born, if it is a boy, kill it. Perhaps in the first act of nonviolent simple disobedience as protest, the midwives do not do what Pharaoh asks of them. When he calls them in to give an account for their disobedience, they turn Pharaoh's own ignorance and prejudice against him. What does Pharaoh know about babies being born? And he clearly sees Israelites as inferior, almost animal-like. So when the midwives use this to their advantage to explain that the Hebrew women simply have their children too quickly and that the babies are already born and secreted away before they can get there, Pharaoh doesn't know enough to know that they are telling him a lie. The midwives' act of defiance comes because they fear God. They have faith in the God of Abraham. They have faith in the promise that God has made and been faithful to in each generation of the people of God. That those chosen by God would have life. And their faith in God and in God's promise was stronger than their fear of Pharaoh's punishment. Now, Pharaoh was not interested in being ignored, so when the midwives ruined his plan, he issued this murderous decree to all the people of Egypt to murder all the Hebrew babies that they could find. But things only get worse for Pharaoh. Now it's not just the midwives, Shiphrah and Pua, that ignore his order. The mother of Moses hides him away when he is born for three months, then puts him in a basket, places him in the river, it seems her hope is, is that if somebody finds him perhaps given his age they would not suspect him to be a Hebrew child. Moses' sister is not as content to let the fates have it so she keeps an eye on the little basket as it floats down the river. And then it is Pharaoh's own daughter guessing rightly that the child was a Hebrew still decides to rescue him. Conveniently Moses's sister is still nearby, connects Pharaoh's daughter with his mother, so Moses is raised at least for the first few years in his mother's home, but will soon move into Pharaoh's court with Pharaoh none the wiser. Pharaoh has been undermined again and again by women, women whose social standing was inferior and who Pharaoh did not consider a threat. Remember, it was only the male children that Pharaoh wanted killed Hebrew girls pose no threat to him, and now his own daughter ignores him and will lie to him about where Moses comes from. See while Moses is going to be the hero of the book of Exodus, he doesn't get there without the faithful and defiant acts of Shiphrah and Pua. Without them, it's likely that Moses' mother would never have had the chance to float him down that river in a basket to be found by Pharaoh's rebellious daughter. Shipra and Pua and the women that they represent show us how, the power, how powerful the simple act of saying no to death can be. That the beginning of liberation often comes in the form of saying no and the power that it wields when you refuse to take part in systems of death. And while Moses will take center stage soon enough, the actions of these two women were powerful enough that their story made it into the book and their names were recorded. Except for Moses, they are the only two other characters in this passage that are given names. In our more recent history, we are still feeling the reverberations of the powerful and often overshadowed acts of defiance by women. from from positions of apparent weakness that would prove to be the springs of life and liberation. Most of us, of course, can think of Rosa Parks and the fact that she refused to give up her seat on that Montgomery bus. But I hope that we should also recall people like Ella Baker a highly respected civil rights leader who mostly worked behind the scenes advising and supporting and mentoring greats like W.E.B. Du Bois, Thurgood Marshall, Martin Luther King Jr and Rosa Parks. I hope the story of Shipra and Pua invites us to remember Somebody like Daisy Bates, a newspaper publisher in Arkansas, who was the guiding force behind enrolling nine black students in an all-white school to become famously known as the Little Rock Nine. I hope we are invited to remember Fannie Lou Hamer, who once said, nobody's free until everybody's free, and who dedicated her life and her physical health to fighting racial injustice and promoting the African-American vote and voice in politics. I hope we remember Diane Nash, a member of the Freedom Riders and one of the most prominent student leaders of the Civil Rights Movement. When she was called by the Attorney General and warned to not continue the Freedom Rides, her response was, don't worry, we've already prepared our wills, we're ready to go. It didn't matter to her the risk that was coming. Or maybe a little closer to home in the Episcopal Church, maybe this is an invitation to remember the Reverend Dr. Polly Murray, who we celebrate as a saint in our church. When she was the only woman enrolled in Howard Law School in 1944, she had the crazy idea that the way to challenge segregation was to challenge the separate and separate but equal. This would be the basis of a book that she would write and that would serve as the quote Bible for the attorneys working on Brown v. Board of Education. In our history books, these women are often relegated to the position of supporting characters when they are remembered at all. But on this day, where we are invited to recall the powerful witness to God of the defiance of the midwives, Shipra and Pua, I hope we can also remember these women of our more recent history and here an invitation to look for the powerful women at work in our current struggles. As we search for our faithful response to the pain of the world around us, when we feel overwhelmed or think that what we have to offer is too small or won't matter, remember that the Apostle Paul writes, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. As we heard today, God chose the midwives and the women to confront Pharaoh's power first, to offer a holy no to Pharaoh and a powerful yes to God's promise of life. Amen.